now, and uh, hey now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Hot Takes Thursday Edition. It is August the 17th, 2023. Thank you for joining us, and thank you to everybody who's been liking, commenting, sharing the show. Y'all have been putting up big numbers. Maybe not on YouTube as much. Y'all need to work on that, but everywhere else, y'all have done a fantastic job of getting the word out and helping people see the show because it's so vitally important. Now, with that said, believe it or not, I'm watching Fox News yesterday and a no-no word was dropped. I was shocked. You're going to be shocked as well as Greg Gutfeld takes to to the liberal host on the show and drops a truth bomb on him. What federalism allows states to do to enforce their, their laws here, and we'll see to your point that what you said is exactly right, Judge. This his state of mind, if they have evidence showing his state of mind is different than what he claims, he'll have a he'll have. But you don't think this is totally over the top uh, as a jet for? I mean, th- even when but you, everything you say makes sense, except it's all bullshit. Oh no! He said a no-no word. Oh, excuse me. Go ahead, Greg. I'm sure you got an important point to make. It's all nonstop. We know this is designed to banish and isolate and to destroy a political outsider who predicted this. Chuck Schumer. Remember, he said, don't mess with intel agencies. Okay, that's enough. That's all stuff I've told you. I just wanted you to hear them say a no-no word on Fox News. I found that incredibly entertaining. Hey, I can't go without thanking the sponsors of this episode of Hot Takes. That's your boys over at Vapor Forge out on 280. You know where it's at. I keep, y'all notice, I keep this right here by my side at all times. Because what if I'm thinking, I need some vape stuff, and I forget where they're at. And I pick this up, and I'm like, oh, there they are, 4673 Highway 280. And if I need the phone number, 205-874-9010. Seriously, though, these guys are proud sponsors of this podcast. If it weren't for Tony, Amy, and the rest of the crew down there, I probably wouldn't have a podcast, let's be honest. you got to have people supporting you in order to put these on, and Tony and Amy both are the people that do it. Just like Wild Hair Jerky, these guys make it happen, and I appreciate them very much. One thing I've been wanting to talk to, and I hadn't gotten the chance to do it, and I didn't get the chance to do it on the radio show today, was this situation going on in Hawaii. If you recall, I believe it was yesterday on the show, I brought up a few things, a few bothersome things about Hawaii and the fact that um, several things weren't making sense. For one, uh, the fires were out of control. There didn't seem to be a, I don't know, didn't seem to be a very proactive response, if you will. Another thing was, is the the guy that's, that's running the show down there, I guess he's the sheriff, he's the first ever non-native sheriff for Maui, just happened to be the incident responder for the Las Vegas shooting. Remember the country concert? It was at Route 66, guys up in the Mandalay Bay Hotel, and he's just firing down on people. Killed so many people. People that were down there that had nowhere to go. They were just sitting ducks. Remember how chaotic that was? Remember how caught off guard they were? And then we never got any answers about what happened or what this guy's motivation was. Was it, well, he killed himself. That's it. 
Never got any answers from that. And you wonder why people turn into conspiracy theorists when stuff like that happens. Well, quit letting stuff like that happen. Act like you care. Act like you're prepared. These aren't new things. Shootings, mass shootings aren't new things. Wildfires aren't new things. But everything seems to be suspicious. There was another point that I brought up on yesterday's radio show, and it was about the water. And people that were fighting the fires with water hoses. Residents were, were containing the fire. They, they had it contained. It was getting out of control, but, but they had a handle on it. They were using their water sources and their hoses, and then all of a sudden, the water cuts off. There is a wildfire raging. It's headed towards these people's homes, and the water cuts off. Now, keep in mind, you're on an island. There's a lot of water around. Why would the water just magically cut off? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Here's the recount from one of the residents in Maui. Listen to this. Tree fell over, hit the power lines, and that's what started the fire. Russ, who lived in his home for 40 years, said he and neighbors fought all day to keep the fire from spreading. We had a hard time holding it back, but we're still, we were winning the game. And then the water turned off. And then there wasn't anything we could do. Then the sparks were blowing up out of the gulch. And he says, and then the water cut off just out of nowhere. He said, we were winning the game. We were winning against these wildfires and then poof. The water cut off. I have not heard one even attempt to explain what happened there. Why the water cut off. Yeah, you were woefully unprepared for all of this. And I'm talking to Maui officials. But what about this guy? The water just cut off? How does that make any sense to anyone? We were fighting. We felt like we were winning. We are keeping it at bay, keeping it off of the properties. The water shut off. Even the firemen that were patrolling couldn't refill their trucks. The fire just grew. The sparks started blowing over, and, and it just beat us in the end. I don't know. You're standing there with a hose, and there's nothing coming out, and you see the fire coming over. And you see parts of your house starting to take, starting to burn. And you just feel you're kind of defeated at the moment. And you're going, why? You know, <laughs> we did everything and all we could think of was, we have no water, we can't do anything. Jump in our cars and skedaddle, get out of town. And then come back in the morning and see the place all burnt down. I was concerned about his safety, and then as soon as I saw him in the car, like, he's home, that means that's not good. And he just said, and we lost the house. I was going to retire. I mean, I am retired, right? But now I've got a new life. So I need a new, new journey, a bend in my road. Makes you want to cry, you know? Still love it. Still love it, and that's why would, they say, would you move to Honolulu? I mean, I could move to Honolulu, but it's the people and the climate, like, it's like... It's, it's beautiful up here. With so many people losing absolutely everything 
and so many people, even more importantly, losing their lives, we don't even know if the Hawaii officials are telling the truth about how many people have lost their lives. Why are there not answers for this? Because I got a feeling there's a way to get answers or a way to provide answers from these people pretty quickly. But it's always up to us in these situations. And when I say us, I mean myself and you. You guys do your research. That's why you're watching this video. You know what's going on. We always end up having to be the ones to do the journalism to get the answers. Whether that's Mandalay Bay or Hawaii or Parkland. Remember the Parkland school shooting in Florida? Nicholas Cruz going in there and killing a ton of kids. We had to do the investigating to find out that the cop that was on scene went and hid. What about the situation in Uvalde? Where the cops sit and sat and waited while kids were slaughtered. In these tragic situations, we keep coming across that. And it makes me personally suspicious of why they were unprepared, or maybe the question even needs to be, why did it happen? How did it happen? Could it just be a natural disaster? Or is it something like an excuse for climate change? Because the left sure does jump on these things when they happen. We've got a hurricane that's set to come up the coast of California very soon. Hurricane Hillary, ironically. They'll absolutely be blaming that on climate change. But you haven't seen a lot of hurricanes lately. Of course, it's not really hurricane season yet, but you got to keep the climate change train moving. Look at how much money we're spending on it. The gravy train, baby. So would it be that bizarre of a concept to think that there's maybe something to all this? What about the water situation? Who's in charge of that in Hawaii? Well, we found out. It's a guy by the name of Kaleo Manuel. He's the Hawaii water official who apparently refused to release the water resources and let landowners themselves fight the Maui fires. They cut the water off. They cut the water off. And this right here, is the guy in charge. And so when you do a little digging and you try to figure out who this guy is or why in the world he would do something like that, which resulted in people losing everything and some losing their lives, you start to understand why somebody like Kaleo would do such a thing. And is responsible per, per our authorizing statute to protect and manage all water resources in the state one water is like taking it and looking at it from a holistic system perspective. And that's not diff any different than how Hawaiians traditionally manage water. You know, in, in essence, we treated it, a native Hawaiians treated water as one of the earthly manifestations of a God and a kua kane. And so that reverence um, for a resource and that reciprocity in relationship was, was something that was really, really important to our worldview and, and well-being. Right. And living in an island in isolated from other, you know, civilizations. Um, and so I think where it shifted to today or over time is that we've 
become used to looking at water as like something which we use and not necessarily something w- that we revere as that thing that gives us life, right? I mean, to me, it's a shift in value set. Um, and, you know, if we can start to really look at how we as humans in an island um, can reconnect to that traditional value set. So really, my motto is always like, let water. So he goes on to talk about water as if it is some sort of God. He's got this woke ideology, and he goes on to talk about racism and the inequities, if you will, of water. Who gets water and who doesn't? Water gives life, he says. Water is some sort of of God. Water, yes, yes, water gives life, but also water puts out fires. Somebody that's in charge of water, of the waterworks, if you will, somebody who is worshiping water, somebody with this kind of mindset cost their lives. I'm, I'm sure all the victims of the Maui fires are grateful that their leaders were focused on on worshiping water that rather than providing it to them so they could save their homes and again save their lives but that's just one aspect of it this is something that's been bothering me for the past 24 hours and again I've sat on it because I hadn't had the opportunity to talk about it but the Maui's Maui emergency operations chief remember in the early days of the news coming out about this, late last week, Friday, one of the first things we heard about what happened was from locals that were saying, we didn't get a siren, we didn't get a warning. And we've got those systems. Those systems are available. Why was there no warning? We could have gotten our things together. We could have had time to get our things together, to warn our relatives, elderly people, grandmas, parents, to get people out of there. There are lives that were lost that didn't have to be lost if the things in place would have been used, whether that's water or sirens. And so we find out Maui's emergency operations chief decided not to use the sirens during this catastrophic fire. And when I came across his press conference where he answered those questions, needless to say, I was pretty astonished. And this right here, I mean, it's making it harder and harder for me to believe that this was just a natural occurring wildfire just like we'd see anywhere else it's getting hard for me to believe honestly anything that happens these days do you regret not sounding the sirens i i do not and the reason why and so many people said they could have been saved if they had time to escape had a siren gone off they would have known that there was a crisis emerging and as we know so many bodies were found in the ground you want him, do you want him to give me the answer, or do, do you want to give? Well, then let him finish. The, let him finish his I'm answer. Sorry, there's a lot of people. Well, you're talking, and you're not letting him talk. If you want to talk, come up here. I'm ready for the answer. Then wait. 
The sirens, as I had mentioned earlier, is used primarily for tsunamis, and that's the reason why many of them are found, almost all of them are found, on the coastline. Wait a minute. You didn't sound the alarms because we normally use them for tsunamis, so we didn't want to use them if there wasn't really a tsunami. Sorry, guys. Sorry about that. The public is trained to seek higher ground in the event that the siren is sounded. In fact, on the website of the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency, the firing guideline is provided. If you are in a low-lying area near the coastline, evacuate to high grounds, inland or vertically to the fourth floor and higher of a concrete building. Alerts may also come in the form of a wireless emergency alert. Had we sounded the siren that night, we were afraid that people would have gone Malka. And if that was the case, then they would have gone into the fire. And so that is the reason why our protocol has been to use WEA and EAS. By the way, I should also note that there are no sirens, Malka, or on the mountainside, where the fire was spreading down. So even if we sounded the siren, it would not have saved those people on the, on the mountainside. Yeah, I'm sure. Nobody's life would have been saved. And if you would have sounded the sirens, people would have just blindly walked into the fire, I'm sure. So, hey, we didn't. We didn't want people to think that there was a tsunami coming, so we didn't do it. Trust me, I'm pretty sure if the siren goes off, it's going to alert a lot of people that have the resources to look around or even look on their phone and find out what's going on. You smell smoke, you hear sirens. I think most people would put that together, and they claim that these these fires are more common with new seaweed-type grass that's been growing in Hawaii, growing in Maui. None of it makes sense. And then you add in the factor of the aftermath and the fact that so many of these residents, so many of these locals continue to say that they're not getting any federal help. Now, Joe Biden, obviously... Well, he's coming out, or he's jogging by reporters. He keeps saying no comment when he when he meets the reporters. But when he's on a stage and he's got a teleprompter or some sort of speech, he lets Hawaiians know, hey, we got you. We got you covered. We're, we're committing all of our resources to Hawaii and helping these people. We're even going to send them $700 per household to help them recover everything they lost and their family members that they lost. $700, not per person, per household. The Ukrainians are scoffing at that. Could you imagine telling Vladimir Zelensky you're only going to send $700 per household? He'd laugh at you. It's cost the Hawaiian citizens... More than $700 in taxes to support Ukraine. And then that money will get taxed. Later on, sometime next year, they'll be paying taxes on this $700. What a slap in the face. So on top of that, on top of all the promises of we're sending all of our agencies down there to help, all of the locals are saying there's not any help. We don't see anybody. There's one guy in particular. He's a pro surfer. His name is Kai Linney. And he did an interview with CBS this morning, and he's like, 
I don't know what they're talking about. I haven't seen anybody down here. Some of us, we were kind of sitting back waiting for help to arrive, and then nothing was sort of happening. We were just in shock. But what was that tipping point for you when you realized government is not going to be able to respond the way locals can? So when I started getting texts and messages from friends on the other side saying, hey, no one is here. Do you know anyone you can call? Can you help us? And it started off with really being boots on the ground. Okay, let's get the jet skis. Let's get the boats. Let's call friends who fly commercial aircraft and see if we can charter a plane. We just took it upon ourselves like, okay, we could probably do a full day to hold our friends and family over before the you know caravan arrives with everything. And it was just like day after day. Where are they? I haven't seen you know one state, one county, one federal official at any one of the donation hubs where people are most suffering. People are sleeping in their cars. People are asking for specific items now. What does it look like at these places that are hard to get to for the public and you've been able to get to the distribution centers? What are they like? It's pretty remarkable seeing communities come together. I mean, these distribution centers, some of them are very chaotic because they're bringing in supplies from the ocean. There's also some very well organized areas and you could tell everyone's trying to accomplish the same thing. So the, the federal government says they're here. FEMA says they're here, Small Business Administration, the National Guard. There's been a response from Maui County, from the governor. It's very hard for anyone sitting where I'm sitting as a journalist to evaluate the response because it's closed to the public in Lahaina. As soon as you go to the west side, all of a sudden you're like, wow, why do I feel like I'm in a third world country right now? You could go to any one of those hubs on the west side of the island and you can ask everyone there. And they'll be like, oh, we haven't seen anyone. No one came to talk to us. No one's come to assist. I wonder if the state, county, they believe we're doing such a good job, they don't need to step in. But a lot of these volunteers have been going all day, all night for five, six days now yeah. and are exhausted and are waiting for a handoff or at least a break. The Hawaiian people, the locals that have lived here, they just always feel like they're the last to be thought of. And they're like the foundation of it. How about that? He says nobody's out there. But we're being told all of the resources are in Hawaii. All of the resources are in Maui. But the, the locals are like, no, no, we hadn't seen anybody. We're having to take care of ourselves. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. You think they would close that off to the media? If the Biden administration was doing what they're supposed to do and they've got boots on the ground really helping these people out, the Biden administration would say, get every TV camera down there you can. We want every aspect of this covered. They'd want it on all the TVs. Oh, Joe Biden's so good and compassionate. Look what he's he's sending them, $700, and he's got troops down there, the National Guard, everybody's helping out, FEMA's there. But it's closed to the media. And the only thing we know is what the locals are saying. And what are the locals saying? Nobody's there. It's crazy how that works. Again, it's up to people like you and I to find out the truth about these things, to really dig, because the TV is not going to tell you. The news is not going to tell you. And we're living through this because of what was allowed in 2020. And I can, I, y'all know me, I tie everything back to this. 
I, I do it almost every time, and it's, you know, it's a character defect of mine, I guess. But every time we deal with something like this, the first thing I think is it didn't have to be this way. We didn't have to deal with this. But we were robbed. The American people were robbed in 2020. And there's no way around it. It's why they're going after Trump the way they are. It's why they're trying to throw him and others in jail. You've got 18 other people in Georgia that are co-conspirators. You've got an entire list of other people that are named in this lawsuit. Well, they're unnamed, but we know essentially who a lot of them are. And they're making this big skeptical spectacle, I guess I should say. They're making this big spectacle out of it. They want a mugshot. They want cameras in the courtroom. You see how they, they, they put cameras where they really want cameras. Cameras will be in the courtroom. You'll get to see Donald Trump in front of the judge. This is all for show. Why? Because you're still talking about the 2020 election. They need that buried. They need that to be nothing but an afterthought of Joe Biden did such a good job campaigning that he got 81 million votes. Because the more you talk about 2020, the more questions that arise in your head. And they don't want to have to keep fighting that. They don't. They want to be able to move on, talk about 2024, And forget 2020 ever happened. Joe Biden turned out to be the president. He just got more votes. It was a different day and time. It was COVID. Had to change the rules a little bit. Yeah, the rule change was unconstitutional, and then they had to go back and fix it after a judge ruled it unconstitutional. But, you know, the vote's already over. It's not like you can go back and correct it. Stolen from you. And so you get this big song and dance out of Atlanta. I saw Newt Gingrich on, uh, I think Charlie Kirk's got a show on, on uh, what is this, Real America's Voice. He had Newt Gingrich on, and Newt Gingrich explains how much of a show that Georgia is. And why, get this, and why the indictment came out before the grand jury voted, because it was already created and ready to go that i am told this is hearsay but i am told by a reliable source that friday evening somebody from washington called the district attorney in atlanta and said you have to indict on monday we have to cover up all of the mistakes we just made with weiss and she hmm. said apparently my jurors aren't coming back till tuesday and they said you didn't hear me you have to indict on monday and she said well they're not going to get here before noon they said, it doesn't matter. She said, this, this means it's going to be 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock at night. She said, it doesn't matter. We need the news so media who, shifting. Who, who, who of made Weiss. that phone call? We don't know. 
And I'm, and I'm telling you up front, this is hearsay, but it's from a person who has remarkably good I, sources. I, I totally believe it, though, because that would explain why they leaked and they messed up on the clerk document, why she was exhausted, <laughs> and why they had the 11 p.m. press conference. Yet again, yet, yet again. Remember during the last indictment, or when they when they announced it in Georgia, it was on the same day the big Joe Biden crime family news came out. And it was like Joe Biden scandal comes out. Part of the scandal comes out one day. The next day, Trump's indicted. Biden scandal comes out a different day. Next day, news of Trump getting indicted. They were rushing this. They already knew what they were going to do. If the grand jury didn't convict, they would just try again. But they were told they had to rush it because they have to cover up what was coming out about Joe Biden. And the reason they're doing this is because, again, Donald Trump thought the same thing you did, thinks the same thing you did, which is 2020 was stolen. Now, if you go back to Tuesday's podcast, Tuesday's episode of Hot Takes, well, not even Tuesday, last night's episode of Hot Takes, I think the name of that one is is Georgia is Trump Country. Whenever I did that, go back and watch that. I give you the rundown of Ruby Freeman and other things that happened in Georgia that are all obvious. You can see this stuff from a mile away. But there's more coming out on Georgia. In particular, you remember James O'Keefe with Project Veritas. Uh, he got booted out because he was exposing Pfizer. And Big Pharma is so powerful, he got kicked out of his own company. So he turns around and creates a group called OMG. O'Keefe Media Group, and they've been doing the Lord's work. They've got a new video coming out that they just released a preview of showing the outright voter fraud in the form of voter registrations in Georgia, almost identical to what we saw in Muskegon County, Michigan. We're going to find out, listen to me, we're going to find out that all of the fraud that happened all over the country in different states, that it was all done the same way because it was all done by the same group of people with the same strategy. I want you to check out this preview. Hopefully tonight or tomorrow they'll be releasing this entire video, but this is what James O'Keefe is bringing to the table in regards to Georgia. Hello everyone, I'm a journalist with O'Keefe Media Group and I was the one who met with Adam Seeley undercover two years ago in Atlanta, Georgia. We had discovered thousands of people registered to vote at the food closet Amea's house where he was the managing director. In Mr. Seeley's own words, he told me that they had a couple thousand people that were using the address at Amea's house for their voter registration. And it's probably a couple thousand people that had our address registered as their mailing address for their voter registration. Oh, wow. I can still remember back to that day. I remember that when Mr. Seeley told me that, I was legitimately shocked. And I even said out loud, oh, wow. Georgia Code Title 21 Chapter 2 Article 15 makes it a crime for anyone who willfully inserts or permits to be inserted any false statement or other fraudulent entry on or in any registration card or ballots in connection with any primary or election. So if anyone in Georgia has any evidence that this practice of signing up thousands of people to vote at food closets and homeless shelters is still going on, 
please send us a tip at o'keefemediagroup.com or sign up to be a citizen journalist yourself and we can expose the corruption together. But also stay tuned. We have new explosive information coming out as an update to this story now two years after the fact. And these new revelations will shock you. You know, we, we, we were, we'd always kind of been unsure about how many people were having their having us established as a mailing address with entered in, in, in a large stuff. One day I walked I walked in to a maze house to pick up the mail and Reverend was like my, one of our lead chiefs was a mail put the two in her office and she's like, You've got to get this stuff in here and I'm like excited about it. And it probably a couple thousand people that had our address registered as their mailing address for their voter registration. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, my God. So I'm looking through, I'm like, well, this guy's dead. A couple thousand people that were registered to vote at this food bank. A couple thousand. And when they saw it, they knew. They were like, oh, my God, we got to get this out of here. Or we're going to get in trouble. Why? Because that's illegal. Yes, it is. Now, voter registrations are one thing. Registering to vote under somebody's name that doesn't belong to you is one thing. The next question is, where do those ballots ultimately go in the day and age of mail-in ballots? That's where the real crime is. That's where... You get a pickup, they all end up in one place, they get swooped up, and next thing you know, those people, dead or alive, are unknowingly voting for the big guy. Again, we're going to end up seeing the biggest scam perpetrated on the United States of our lifetime maybe ever exposed. And mark my words... Every state that had this happen, it happened in the exact same way every time. I'm out of here. Thank y'all for checking this out. Share, like, comment. Let your people know. And we'll be back next week with more hot takes. Until next time, see you, Kyle.